I think an image should be an extension of the photographer as much as it can be and tell, you know, not every image tells a story, but I think there should be something of the photographer within an image. I think if you look at any of the great photographers or great This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today we are talking with Sean Goswell. Sean is another UK photographer whose work is extraordinary. I'm sure you've seen his work on the Frames Facebook page. I'm, see, I'm sure you've seen his work hanging up all over the place. It is evocative. It is environmental. It is moody. It is, frankly, just wonderful. And we are going in a different direction today. Sean has dedicated a lot of his work to a particular place. So we're going to talk about place photography. We're going to talk about fine art. We're going to talk about mindfulness. Might even throw in the meaning of life there towards the end. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you, Scott. Really pleased to be here. You know, we're recording this in uh, the early part of March. People are starting to get their COVID shots around the world. What's, what's it feel like to be a photographer over in the UK these days? Is, is it starting to open up a little bit? It is. I mean, where I'm based, I'm in Somerset. I'm very lucky to have the, the ocean by literally outside my door. So I haven't really stopped. You know, I go out early mornings or late evenings, not many people around. So it's actually been really, really nice. Very creative time, in fact. Oh, that, that is wonderful. Now you're going to have to put up with all the tourists again, walking walking in the middle of your shots. <laughs> yeah, three months, and um, I won't be taking any photographs for a while. <laughs> Sean, I want to start, and by the way, everyone who's, who's listening, yes, there is a website. I hope you go there right away. I hope you listen to it, or you look at it while you're listening to us. And it is seangoswellphotography.com, S-E-A-N-G-O-S-W-E-L-L, photography.com. You will be impressed and inspired the moment you're there. Sean, one of the things I want to begin with, though, is something that you begin your website with, and it is all over your work. You call this mindfulness photography from land and sea. Not fine art, not black and white, not you know nature. You call this mindfulness photography. Tell me what you mean. To describe it, I'd have to go back in time to when I first began photography, if that's okay. Sounds good to me. Basically, I was a chef for 25 years or so, I guess. During that time, I worked in some some of the top kitchens in the country. Obviously, those times were, were difficult. I always likened it to be in the army or the marines, where the kitchens were hard to work and they were long hours. The pay was bad. They could be abusive at times, mentally and physically. So what I would do as I found myself going out between my shifts, I'd do a lunch shift and then an evening shift. So I would go out in the afternoons and just walk, whether it be in the park or by the river or wherever I, wherever I was working, if there was somewhere to walk outside, I would go. I decided after a while of walking, I wanted to record what I was seeing when I was walking. And it was kind of like a really therapeutic thing to do, was just to be able to forget about the work, forget about being abused or shouted at or anything else, 
So I bought myself a little camera and just went out and started to do to do that and take some pictures, nothing particularly special, but I found it was taking my mind away. So I was subconsciously already doing mindful photography mm-hmm. as a sort of sort of mental act. What is it about recording those images that was important? It took me a while. I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure other people feel the same, that when you go out with a camera, you get so connect. You can get so connected to what you're trying to photograph that you, the time goes away. Time, you know, you could be sit on, be out for an hour, but you could look at your watch and it'd be two hours later, and that time is just gone. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's that connection to the subject that sort of made me. I became mindful of what I was doing and not thinking about anything else. Just having the vision, you know, the vision of being out there, whether it be in the woods or whether it was just having that time away with and then having the camera as well sort of double down on that and although the pictures were weren't very good in fact they were rubbish when i first started <laughs> um <laughs> I, I think that's the one story we all share that our early pictures yeah. uh <laughs> absolutely and but you know and i was taking pictures of everything whether it be birds trees flowers it didn't matter what it was as long as i was actively making a photograph and then i'd go back in the evening to work i'd feel better and then i'd go home and sort of process these images and go oh, they're not very good but it was just the physical act of doing that just made me feel better both mentally you know and physically would you argue that the camera is is a way to connect us more intimately to nature or, or is it something between us no I, I would definitely say it connects us I think you can go out for a walk with the dog and it be or just for a walk for exercise and you you do you connect with with nature but I think it becomes on a more it's going to sound like a bit zen mastery but a more spiritual level mm-hmm. with when you know through the lens and I think I certainly started to notice things in a different way through the camera lens so I'd notice how the tree, you know, the tree, the leaves of the trees were moving, or the branches were moving with the wind. Whereas perhaps before, I wouldn't have noticed that if I'd just been walking. It was lovely to be out, but it wasn't. I didn't have the same sort of connection where I would really sort of be mindful of what was around me. Even like the listening to the birds singing, or the way the waves were moving along the shore. You know, as soon as I put that camera up to my eye. It became, like I say, it became a more spiritual thing for me. Now, you were not living around Exmoor at this time, were you? No, I was in Oxfordshire at the time. Well, I'd actually moved all around from, with the chefing work, I was in oh, Ireland, Sweden, France. So I'd moved all around, but I'd come back to Oxfordshire. So I didn't have that. When I first started, I didn't have that sort of inclination to be a photographer or even really know much about photography it was literally i'd never i mean my brother was a photographer or is a still is a photographer so i knew about photography but i was always more interested in art than photography which i think shows possibly in my work now i mean others may be different but it was literally a spur of the moment thing to to start the photography because i was out walking i mean i was i was never a very good painter but it's what i enjoyed when I was young, in my younger years, enjoyed doing. I think having that cam, having the camera and using it as a as a tool, almost like a paintbrush, 
Well, that, that, that's a lo lovely transition into my next question, because you are not a documentary photographer, mostly. You, you are not looking for the hard, exact details. Your art has a very painterly, a very impressionistic, you know, a very uh, sensual feel to it. Tell me about the, the, you know, the Sean Goswell style. You know, what, what is it? What, what's the mood you're after? Why this kind of imagery? I mean, this is long exposure. This is a little bit of, of camera movement. Um, there's a lot of blur, but th there's a lot of depth to your work as well. Yeah, absolutely. I sort of, I don't label myself as any one type of photographer in the sense that I'm not a landscape photographer. A lot of my work does involve ICM, but I don't class myself as an ICM photographer, if that makes any sense. I sort mm -hmm. of look, I like myself to be in the middle of the two. With ICM, a lot of it's a lot of swinging the camera around and taking 500 photos to maybe get one <laughs> canvas to, to work on. Uh -huh. Whereas I generally take one to five images when I'm out. And I wow. generally try to use the light. The light for me is, is everything. And I try to use that to create some atmosphere to a degree. But I'm not going to lie, I do spend an awful lot of time in post-processing, which a lot of purists will be throwing their arms up in the air. And, you know, I can spend two hours on an image. And it's not to try and alter that image to be something it wasn't. You know, I'm not a fan of changing skies from a, another picture into a, the, right. the root image right. is always the root image. But to convey what I'm trying to say in the image, I mean, it's, it doesn't always take me that long. Sometimes I can I can do it a lot quicker, but... I've been known to spend two hours just trying to to put that mood in into the image, the atmosphere into an image, and it's always you know it's always trying to stay true to the original image and try and stay true to the vision that I've had for that image or how I feel about it or I want it to feel. Are are you photographing feelings first? Yes, but it's it's it's, it's so hard to describe. It's almost like a, I'm very reactional to a scene. So I could be out and just walk along. I mean, most of my work now is, is on, on the coast. I could be out and nothing will be happening. Like an image I posted yesterday, I think, I literally had walked for an hour and I just thought, well, it's going to be a nice walk and nothing's happening. I climbed over some rocks and everything just appeared at once. So I didn't pre-plan that image or I didn't set up a tripod or I don't, I don't walk with a tripod anyway. But I literally raised the camera to my eye shot the image, made two images, and that was that for the day. So it's very reactional, but everything seemed to come together. You know, like Henri Cartier-Bresson says, like that decisive moment. I think that's the same for any type of photography, whether it be landscape photography, street photography. I think there is a moment where you either feel it's going to work, and if it is, then you, in that split second, I'll, I'll take the image, and then hopefully something will come from it. Oh my. You you are now living next to Exmoor National Park and you appear to to have dedicated, you know, the, the vast majority of, of your work, your recent work to the landscape around there. Tell me about the park. I mean, you know, describe it for people that don't know it, but also tell me about your relationship to that park as a photographic subject. Yeah, so where I am now, we've been visiting here as a family for 20 years. So it's in Somerset. We live in Minehead in Somerset in the UK. Basically, it has everything 
uh, the photography you'd want. So we have the coast. I mean, from from my office where I am now, I can I can see. Well, it's dark now, but I can see that the, the ocean's literally three hundred yards away. And then I can walk up the lane and be on the actual moors on like the moorland. So we have the rolling hills. You have the, the beaten old hawthorn hawthorn trees that are, you know the windswept. In the winter, it's desolate. In the summer, it's beautiful. So I mean, that's and that's the reason we moved down here. Really, it was to have that that kind of space. Because obviously, we were, we were in Oxfordshire in in the in the town in the city. And for me, Oxfordshire had trees and farmland whereas Exmoor has got the ocean the rolling moors you know we have Devon and Cornwall within two hours drive it's rugged it's for me uh, it, it's where I draw my inspiration from uh, and I'm lucky to be able to walk down there in five minutes yeah I envy you that uh greatly but when you get to know a place over time, you know, and, and it starts to reveal its secrets to you, how do you keep it fresh as a photographer? How do you how do you keep that place not cliche in your own mind? That's where the difficulty lies. I found that certainly in Oxfordshire, I became more known for shooting woodlands, and I shot woodlands and trees for probably two years solid. So every time I go out, it'd be into the. I knew the woods backwards. I knew every season. And after the two years of shooting the trees, people were starting to say to me, or some some of my friends were saying, "Well, these are still lovely, but they're becoming a bit the same." It was almost like sort of photographing by numbers. I'd go out, I'd, and every shot was starting to look very similar. And I got a bit, you know, I'm passionate about woodland photography even now, but. The way I photograph now is more reactional. So the light, the light changes all the time. You know, the way the, the ocean moves changes constantly. The time of day changes constantly. There's so much. I don't. I think I could live here for 50 years and be able to photograph something every day. There's always something different. You know, and I think that's that's the difference. I can go up into the woods and I can do the tree photography and the woodland photography, although it's much harder down here because, you know, the woods in Oxfordshire are almost like they've been made for photography. They were all beautifully clean and orderly, whereas a lot, it's a lot more wild down in Somerset. But I just think there's always some, uh, there's always projects. I've, I've, I have so many projects in my head for over the next year or so. I, I don't think I'll, I'll ever get bored of doing it. Oh, that that is fantastic. Let's do talk about trees just a little bit more and, and and specifically from your website you have one of the categories on your website is more trees and i'm looking through the images right now they are of course absolutely mesmerizing and wonderful images but you're you're going for black and white most of the time you're going for a sort of a low-key approach very moody yeah. uh, very very dark a couple of them you know you have brilliant pops of, of light in an otherwise uh, dark forest Tell me, you know, from an aesthetic point of view, from, you know, an art theory point of view, what are you going for here? You know, what, what, are, what do the woodlands photographically mean for you? Mean for you? It's, it's, it's pure atmosphere. All my woodland shots are taken with autumn and winter time. I rarely shoot in the spring or the summer. It's too green. It's too disorderly. I love the trees when they're bare. I like them sort of when they're what I like to sort of call when they're showing their true form, their true selves, the light's always better. 
again, I, I go back to atmosphere and mood all the time. It's trying to create being up on the moor in the middle of January. It's cold, it's wet, it's windy. And it's generally, you know, the light sometimes, the winter light is generally sometimes amazing. You get that sort of real winter low sun. And it creates that, and I found with the black and white, it creates that mood, that dark. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit dark-minded anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it, it's all about mood and black and white. And a huge majority of my work is in black and white uh, for a number of reasons. One, I'm colorblind. Oh, okay. That helps. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, but I'm starting to work a lot more in color, but almost in minimal color, I guess now. So it's sometimes it's been in the past. It's been really interesting trying to make color photographs, and the colors I'm colorblind to are generally the the colors of the landscape: green, reds, blues. Tell me, if you would, the story of one image, and, and this is on your website, and I'm looking at it. It's in the the more trees. A section, and I think you're absolutely right. By the way, a, a bare tree, a tree without leaves, is really captivating. Just all those lines, all the all those shades and intricacies in there. I, I'm absolutely convinced um, that we look at a bare tree, thinking that a tree with leaves is sort of its normal state. Mm. Uh, we look at a bare tree as as a sense of of not decay or death, but but of promise. Like, oh, this one's about to to bloom. Oh. So it's also about survival. So it's also about you know it's also about how the survival of the tree, how it, it copes through those sort of winters, and it's mm-hmm. still there. You know, the images you've got, many of them are thick forest. You know, there's many many trees, lots of shadows and stuff. But I'm scrolling through the images and I get to this one where there's a bunch of hedgerows in front of a single tree off in the distance. Yeah. Um, and the hedgerows have got some interesting angles to them, looking out o- over the fields and stuff to a hill in the distance. Tell me the story of this shot. If you remember the day you took it, tell me about the post-processing, because this is remarkable in and of itself, but it's also breathtaking as just scrolling through the rest of your work yeah. uh, to see this one emerge. Basically, this was an accidental shot. Um, <laughs> I was actually photographing the sea i was actually doing long exposure work if i sort of place the scene basically it's a rocky beach and there's a train track behind the beach where a steam train which um a steam train runs through in the summer for the tourists and then a little sort of little lane and then the field with the with the trees with the tree and the hedgerows in so i'd packed up from doing the long exposure stuff on on the, the sea and I turned around, and I'd been there for about two or three hours and hadn't really sort of even noticed it. And I turned around, and I, it was just, again, it's one of those things where, oh, that actually might be an image. So <laughs> literally packed it all away, turned around, crossed the train track. Well, I actually stood on, crazily, I actually stood on the train track to be able to get the angle that I wanted for the shots. And that was, it was as simple as that. It was just seeing those lines, you know, it was one of those things where I hadn't actually gone out to to make that image. It just sort of, the image came to me. And, I mean, there's, there's lots of areas like that around around here with, with those sort of manicured hedgerows and little trees popping out from them. But like I say, that was, I hadn't gone out to shoot trees. Or I, you know, it was literally gone out to shoot long exposure stuff, which I literally came back with nothing from that. There, there's a lesson right there that, you know, we go out with the best of intentions, but the best thing we come home with often is accidental or serendipitous. And, and there's a, 
a real talent to being open to that, to being aware, to not saying I'm done shooting and have your imagination shut down at the same time as, as you put the camera away. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit of desperation as well. So I love to come back with something. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I know that story. You're out there and you're thinking, "Come on, world, give give me something." Yeah, I've walked three hours to get here. You know. <laughs> yeah. Shifting gears a little bit, you know, then and pointing the lens back to the ocean. One of my favorite shots of yours is the one that you call siblings and. Instead of me trying to describe it for everyone, why don't you des- describe the issue, the image, uh, and then tell me the story of this one? Because again, this one's a little unusual for the work that's on your website. Yeah, this was. Um, it wasn't really ever supposed to go on my website. It was actually a, an image of my children running down to the sea hand in hand, and this is going to be really embarrassing, but. <laughs> I hadn't changed the settings on my camera and I made the shot and it was quite a slow exposure. It was never supposed to be a sort of ICM shot, but that's roughly how it came out. And I thought, actually, I really, really like this shot. Uh, it's very <laughs> different to, I don't, I don't know, there's, there's no sort of great mystery to these some of these shots. <laughs> but yeah, this one literally was, was an accidental shot that, shouldn't have worked again i played with it a little bit to get the sort of mood i wanted out of it but yeah it was it was purely by accident of my children well it it is it is a beautiful shot and and when i say it's unusual because your images do not have people in them generally and i love this story by the way of not setting or not changing the settings because that i am guilty of yeah it's a real error isn't it but (laughs) I think that's why God invented the little screen on the back of your camera. You take a shot, you look at it, and you think, what in the world? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> and you go from there. A shot that is, again, another one of my favorites. It, this is, again, you know, a water shot, but right there at, and, and, you know, where, where the waves are coming up on shore. The one called Receding Tide, where you've got some uh, rocks, some pebbles in the foreground, uh, and then in the water in the background. Yeah. Tell me the whole setup for that one, um, and tell me if, if people have talked about that one, if there's a reaction to it. Yeah, that was, sorry, that was a quite an early shot of mine when we'd literally been down here for a couple of months. Again, I was out doing long exposure stuff, but more sort of more sort of wide out into the ocean, taking pictures of little sort of sticks that were coming out of the ocean. I'd noticed as the tide was receding, the, the rocks had this really beautiful sheen on them from the water and they were moving constantly and i've got a bit of a thing about sort of things um like in having a transient nature things moving all the time nothing staying the same mm-hmm. and um so i think i've saw these rocks and they're you know the tide's quite strong where we live and it pushes in hard and it pulls out hard and i saw them move and i saw the beautiful sheen and i thought you know this would make a really lovely image i, I know there's lots of sort of images out there like that but again it was just one of those simple things where i thought well, i'll poke i'll change the lens i'll poke it down at the um at the rocks and see what comes of it and um again it's a fairly simple image but one that i think is effective you know it's um it was one of my favorite images at the time it still is just purely for its simplicity 
It, it is one of the more exact photos that you've got. One of the where, you know, there's something not blurred, in focus, foregrounded. And, and you know, a lot of your work, like I said, you know, there's some intentional camera movement, but there, there's a lot of softness. Um, and I mean that in the very best sense, yeah, softness yeah. To, to, to your images. What's the, the you know, the, the, the big catalog going to say about your work as, as a landscape and, and impressionist? What, what is, let's go back to this mindfulness thing. Let's, let's go back to sort of the aesthetics. Are, are you photographing a, a, a sense of peace? Are you photographing a sense of mystery? You, you said you're a dark person, but I'm looking at this stuff here in the Time and Tide segment of your website and thinking, no, there, there's a real sort of love and joy here. Yeah, I mean, I say I'm a dark person, but I think I'm always looking for a sense of calm within an image. And I think that comes from the mindfulness to a degree. From the job that I was doing, I was really pushing myself to the limits a lot of the time. And mentally and physically, it was hard. And I think subconsciously over time, that sort of transferred into my photography where it can be, you know, I'm I'm looking for the atmosphere and I'm looking for at the same time, a sense of calm within within the image. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all about just, again, it's about that moment of just being in the right frame of mind, literally just trying to put my own sort of vision across, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense, my own, my own feelings at that moment. And, um, and with that comes a sense of calm, you know. And I went through a long exposure stage where I'd shoot uh, you know for one and a half two minutes and I'd sit there and that would give me the sense of calm but I suddenly found I could do that within even one and a half two second exposure but the calm also came from when I was sat back pro you know in the office post-processing the images injecting that also injecting that sense of calm into it there i I suppose just an extension i think an image should be an extension of the photographer as much as it can be and tell you know not every image tells a story but i think there should be something of the photographer within an image i think if you look at any of the great photographers or great photographs they may well be compositionally brilliant but i think they also have a strong sense of meaning and story to them and that's what i try to convey through the images sometimes successfully sometimes not so but <laughs> we're always striving aren't we to i i really like the description of, of of photographing a sense of calm and and i know that you know there are some people looking at the website right now there's some people listening to this who are going to be going to the website later this is going to sound completely contradictory, but calm can be dynamic. It can be really engaging and, and, and grabbing. And, you know, it's, it's like, you know, a, a new taste you've got or like listening to solo piano. It's, 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 it is complicated as well as profound. You've mentioned post-production a couple of times. Tell me, I mean, I don't want to get too technical here, but t- tell me what kind of post-production is normal for you. Like I said earlier, it varies from image to image, but I tend to work with music. Music is a huge part of my image making, and that also defines how I process what I'm listening to at the time. If an image is is looking great, it can take me two minutes, but I can sit there for two hours, and it literally is tweaking with with sliders 
Uh, there's no, mm-hmm. I can't actually put, I couldn't give you a definition of how I post process. I couldn't say I do this, I add contrast, blah, blah, blah. It literally differs from every image and it's just a feeling. If, it's kind of like a painting, I guess, in, to a degree where at some point you have to say it's finished. I always find that so hard to do, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. I can tweak and tweak and probably sometimes tweak too much. Or I'll go back to it two days later and go, oh, what was I thinking? I'll just move that back down this or do that. There is no there is no hard and fast rule with how I do A lot of people ask me this in messages, you know, what post-processing did you do? How, and I can never really, without writing a sort of small essay, I can't really define it. It is literally playing, especially with the colour work now, I'm literally playing with all the, slide, with all the individual colour sliders and... And again, not trying to create something that's otherworldly or not believable, but just to fine-tune it to how I'd like it to look or how I envisioned it to look. Because I always have some idea after the image how I want want that image to look. Yeah, And then, of course, two weeks from now, you'll look at it again and have a different idea and start tweaking with it again. Yeah. Sorry, I certainly know a lot of people leave their photographs to to sit there for a while before they come and process them. But I work the other way. You know, as soon as I come back, within an hour, I'll be post-processing. Because for me, it's all part of the journey of making the image. I can't really leave it for, for a couple of weeks and months. And those people that can are great. I'm, you know, that's... But for me, it's all one one flow. One more question, because I, uh, I'm jealous of where you live. I think the ability to go out and have all that landscape available to you is just tremendous and i admire the work tremendously tell me about the last time you were out tell me about yesterday or this morning or you know the last adventure you had and what you came home with it was yesterday and it was the again it's not really i don't really title my images to be honest i posted i think i posted on frames yesterday it was one of the it was a morning where there was it didn't look like it was going to do anything for me so I've looked out of the window. Of course, my kids went back to school yesterday, so I'm now free to <laughs> wander as much as I like. Uh, so I was out early, early yesterday morning. It was one of those rare UK mornings where it was cloudless and blue skies. And I was like, oh, dear. Well, I'm going to enjoy the walk, but I don't think I'll come back with anything meaningful. And again, as I... Um, I walked about a mile and a half down the beach. I could see some clouds sort of, it was just starting to to get light, and I could see some cloud in the distance. And that's one of the beauties of the coast. You never really know what the weather's going to do. It could be beautiful blue sky at one minute, and the next, you know, you get these dramatic clouds roll in. So along the beach, there's like um, a whole line of rocks, huge boulders that go down, separate two beaches. So I climbed up onto these rocks, and I, the second beach I've, I've always loved, it goes onto a place called Dunster, which is a beautiful beach and rarely walked on. So I've climbed up onto these rocks and in the distance you have the like, the hills and the beach goes on and it was literally untouched. And there was a, a mist in the distance over the hills just dropping down onto the actual um, ocean. And then a really lovely haze where obviously the sun was starting to warm it up. And I stood there and I was like, wow, you know, I wasn't expecting this to happen. And as I was stood there, the tide was receding at the time. And 
it really surprised me that there was a, a line of footsteps leading down to the shoreline, but they only went from the shoreline halfway up the beach and stopped in the <laughs> west hand. So I'm thinking, firstly, you know, somebody's out earlier than me, and it was almost like they'd walked down to the shoreline and then nothing was coming back, which was a little bit worrying. And they were just there in a line, and obviously they just stopped. And I, I could only put it down as to the, with the wet sand was actually filling in the footsteps, if you know what I mean. So I thought, oh, mm-hmm. you know, it was a great photograph anyway, but th- that just made the image. And I'm hoping, you know, they were okay. I hadn't walked out into the sea. But, yeah, I mean, that was yesterday morning. That was the only image I took. And that was, a, a, again, a single exposure. And walked for another hour and walked home, but it had nothing else. It just for that minute, it all you know, it all came together. I'm I'm looking at that image right now, and yes, you know the footsteps are engaging, but the balance you've got in there—the black sand, the white surf, the, the white leading to a gray sky above it—you know where you've placed the horizon. There is a real mastery just to the composition here. Oh, so I, I I am you know, tipping my hat in your direction there, sir. That that oh, is a fantastic picture. Although I got to tell you, you say UK weather's bad. I'm looking at the website for Exmoor here, and every picture they've got is bright, clear, sunny skies. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think tomorrow's really bad, so I'll be out tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Well, well, sir, this has been a pleasure. I, I admire your work. I enjoy hearing you talk about it. I wish you the best of luck. And boy, like I said, I am envious of. of the world that you've got sitting in front of your lens. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.